Welcome to the Menopause Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Willis, author of Cookie Dough in the Dark and Vibrant Living with Tanya. Menopause is like going through puberty again. Your body is changing, your hormones are shifting, but instead of being a lost teenager, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent your life and take stock of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Gain wisdom, be empowered, and learn the strategic skills and the inner work that can be done simply so that the last half to third of your life is vibrant and amazing. Subscribe and share this podcast with your gal pals, and thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody, and I have a very special guest with me today, Margaret Dietrich. We met at a summer retreat, didn't know each other, but we met this summer. We clicked, and she is a registered holistic nutritionist, owner of Nutra Helpers, and a bona fide food foodie. And uh, I brought her on here today because we started talking about gut health, and I'm like, okay, I need you on my podcast. <laughs> Actually, I want you on my podcast. So let's just dive right in, Margaret. And Margaret has a very good outline of um, menopause and our gut health. So I'm just going to take it away. Margaret's going to chat and perhaps I interject, perhaps I don't. Um, but are you ready, Margaret? Thank you. I am on. indeed. I am indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, Tanya, for the intro. I have to say, I'm really loving your podcast. I've had a chance to listen to a few of them, and they're great and very timely, I think, for a lot of people, because menopause is such an important topic, and I feel that it's often marginalized and ignored. Mm -hmm. So it's a really, really important topic, and I'm really... And you know what's interesting is I um, have chatted yeah. with people. Okay, so let's just dive in. Um, okay, and you know what? Our Zoom connection's a little crazy, so we're gonna we're gonna see what happens here. But let me just say something. I've been chatting with people, and a lot of people are not talking about menopause. Like it's still very taboo. They don't understand perimenopause. They don't understand what's happening to them. They get dismissed by their doctors. Um, you know, all of these things. So, and not every doctor and not every person, but I think it is really important. I'm glad that we are having these chats to just kind of break the ice that this is not shameful, um, that we're not alone. And so take it away and let me hear what you have to say today. Okay, great. So many of us have spent many, many, many years drinking and living and eating a certain way and some of us may have been lucky enough to get away with it but now we're in the menopause zone and we're starting to notice changes that we're not particularly thrilled about and we're starting to feel like everything is catching up to us typically we don't tend to make connections between what we're consuming and how we feel i mean we do if it's even if it's um, something like you have a rash on your face and you don't make the connection that maybe you had something, maybe it was sugar, a lot of sugar three, four days before. We don't make those kinds of connections. We don't go around journaling our reactions when we eat. Most of us don't in any case, and not unless we're directed to do so by our NDs or our nutritionists. So we can go 
decades, quite literally, without paying much attention to our personal reactions to consumption and stress. We just go about our day-to-day -day sort of stuff robotically, often eating the same foods over and over without too much introspection. And then we start to lose faith in our bodies because we start to experience symptoms and we don't know why. There was a, I just want to share with you, there was a really fascinating study done in 2021 on aging in the gut. And they took 90-year-olds and divided them into two groups, healthy and unhealthy. And what they found was the healthy group had a gut microbiome similar to 30-year-olds. Mm. So what that means for us as women, as you know, as we age, as we hit 45, 50, 55, is that we can improve the quality of our life as we age if we start focusing on the gut. We can have more energy, better cognitive function, and just basically be more active, which is so I think what, what so what you're saying, it's never too late to start, everybody. Did you hear that? It's never, never too, late. too late. And this is one lesson I've been trying to share with people that, you know, you can live till you're in your 90s. And if you're experiencing this stuff in your 40s, you still have 50 years of living to do. And how do you want to express those years? And so, exactly. right. Okay. Excellent point. Thank you. And the other thing is that many of us, particularly women, uh, myself included, have been on very restrictive diets in the past. We've done years of yo-yo dieting. We've jumped on any number of fad dieting bandwagons in the hope, you know, we shed excess, unwanted fat and weight, chase elusive, unrealistic, media-driven goals for ourselves. And we just set ourselves up for constant failure. And we force ourselves to endure deprivation. And when we diet and this affects stress levels and it affects our hormones and it affects our metabolic function and it really affects our gut health most people don't realize that and the problem with most of these diets is that they are restrictive and the restrictive diet lacks diversity mm -hmm. and as such they are obviously less helpful to gut health too often the very foods we remove feed specific strains of bacteria and by removing them, we make our gut function worse. So what are some of the things that we might remove? Because a lot of people will remove gluten, they'll remove dairy, they'll remove, um, you know, nightshades, they'll remove like whatever the food is, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. but remove those things without understanding the underlying root cause of why we're reacting to them, we create problems. Okay. I'll just think, oh, well, I've read somewhere that I have to remove gluten. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe it's sugar that's causing your problem. So it's it's just important to work with somebody or to just do a lot of experimentation to see what it is that you yourself are reacting to. And we're all unique. Mm -hmm. we all have, it, like our microbiome is like a fingerprint. We're all different. And anywhere we have a mucosal surface, we have bacteria. So we can find protective bacteria in the mouth, in the nose, um, in the ears, the small intestines, the large intestines, the bladder. And ladies, the vaginal canal. We, so each, because each, each one of those is different, but they're all interconnected. So they work off of each other. It's a very complex, dynamic community of, um, of bacteria.
And regarding our gut microbiome, we have about 1.5 kilograms of intestinal flora. Mm. Really interesting. Without it, we would die within five years of birth. Hmm. And that's because we wouldn't be able to develop a proper immune system. They drive the development of our antibody system. So now you can start to see allergies and poor gut health, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of connections, city of beneficial bacterial strains, including UTIs for women, especially because we tend to be more prone to them. And the latest of which is weight gain mm. to make those connections now as well. And of course, that affects all of us as we age, as our, if we're not taking care to ensure that we have good gut health and a strong gut health, like a very, you know, like a resilient microbiome, you can start to see where those issues with weight gain or with alone relies on diversity and quality of nutrients and restrictive diets just simply don't deliver that. They can't because there's not enough variety in them. And if we've spent decades on restrictive dieting, then for women now in perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, you can start to see the complications that start to surface. Things like mineral and vitamin deficiencies where gut health develops and then that can lead to dysbiosis, which is just a fancy word for imbalance. And our bodies hate being out of balance. And it's not just restrictive diets that can cause um, poor gut health. There's other things as well. So things like lack of sleep, stress is a huge one, medications both um, over-the-counter and prescribed ones, especially antibiotics, toxins in health and beauty care products, Mm -hmm. uh, too much sugar, additives, pesticides. I mean, just there's worry, excess exercise that is just too much for your body. These are all, these all can affect the gut and your hormones. And we end up with a slew of symptoms that no one seems to know why we have them. And they just sort of tell us, well, you know, it's part of aging and menopause and just suck it up. Right. I mean, that's generally what we end up being told because they don't know what to do. Yeah. Or giving you some kind of pill as to ease the symptom instead of getting to the root cause issue. Right. And speaking of symptoms, I mean, there's a ton of them. There's like hot flashes and night sweats and brain fog and adult acne, nail fungus, thinning hair. Um, There's gas and bloat, things like stubborn menopause, belly, constipation, you know, diarrhea, whatever it is. Those are all symptoms that have a gut health root to them. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they have a really profound effect on how we end up living our lives because we can develop an unhealthy relationship to food because we fear the repercussions. We stop trusting our bodies to do right by us. We -hmm. can feel empowered and have a real lack of self-confidence, which can affect our social interactions. So we have to sort of start looking at what is good gut health. So 80% of our immune system is in the gut and it's in constant communication with good bacteria. And that's why it's important to build immune resiliency. And when we talked earlier about how we needed it or we would die if we didn't have it as babies because it's what helps build antibodies. And good gut health relies on good liver function and Mm -hmm. vice versa. They're really, really connected. 
The liver helps regulate and remove excess hormones and removes toxins that can affect the gut and hormones. And this is where, you know, maybe doing some cleansing a couple of times a year can come into play and just help relieve the strain on the liver and help that sluggish liver kind of process through some of those toxins. Um, good gut health means we have sustainable energy. We have stable blood sugar throughout the day. We poop daily and we have stable moods. Mm -hmm. And when you have good gut health, it sends the right signals to the brain. And then the healthy brain sends the signals to the gut. But when those signals start deteriorating, that's when you end up with the imbalances, the hormone imbalances, thyroid issues, adrenal fatigue, you know, and then, and then of course, the microbiome imbalances. And those are all things that women over 40 start to really notice. I always say it's like an old car. You know, when you get yeah. a brand new car, like take the emotion off yourself. When you get a brand new car, you really don't have to do much to look after it, right? right. And as it gets older, it has to go in for more oil changes, more repairs. And it doesn't mean uh, anything except for the fact that we need to look after our bodies better. And, you know, if I can just point out, if we can start taking care of ourselves earlier in life, <laughs> Uh, because we tend to throw our teens and twenties away. Um, that's so true. Right. And so for all of you listening that are under 40, there's some really important information here to be kind to yourself. And I wish I'd had this information. You know, we lived Me in too. different times. We lived in different times. There was no, in I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. So no. It's amazing what we have at our fingertips. And now it's just understanding that we we have this information and we can start to integrate it and apply it into our lives. So, well, and in addition to that, we didn't have that information, but nobody even wanted to talk about it. Like you couldn't say in a talk like this, if there even would have been one, you wouldn't even be comfortable talking about saying something like you have to poop every day. Yeah. You know, and it was just taboo. And listen, the microbiome is relatively new. Your microbiota, your yes. microbiome, the studies on that were not around. I don't know what's it been like 20 years, but I don't think it's made it into common day, like ver uh, verbiage for the last 10 years, maybe. And then the maybe. common person may not even understand um, microbiome, microbiota. This might be the first time they're actually hearing about it and how important it is to have those bacteria in our gut from a variety of food sources and That's how right. we can affect it. Super. That's right. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at the end of the day, basically we have these imbalances, but the real issue is that we're struggling and we just want to find some solutions. And that's what it really boils down to. And the state of your gut health is at the root of it all. So based on that, we really can't go wrong by starting with some really good digestive practices that's what I'm going to talk about right now. It's what can I do today, starting right now? Perfect. And looking to get started right away, then I have a list of about seven or so steps to good digestion that I personally have taken and that I recommend to my clients. And in fact, I refer back to them fairly regularly, actually, because let's face it, we're all human and we get distracted. And so I use these steps as a reset for myself when I get off track. And I recommend them to clients because they're not invasive and they're not reliant on medications or complicated protocols or procedures. It's just a really good way to start. And it's a great way to start ruling things out. Perfect. So 
I mean, obviously, if you're super highly motivated and you want to dig even deeper than these seven steps, then I would suggest working with an ND or a registered holistic nutritionist or, you know, some other person that you feel comfortable with to, to dig even deeper. But even so, mastering these simple steps will help both you and your practitioner in the long run. It'll build awareness. You'll have a much more powerful understanding of your body and how it responds to foods to eating, to digestion, and to eliminating. And then you'll regain a sense of control that you may not be experiencing right now. Okay. You know what I always say to people? Like awareness. I I love that word awareness. We are not aware. We are not aware. And it takes, I always say, put on your detective hat. And like you said, write down, don't write down what you eat for diet and weight loss. Write down what you eat for curiosity. How's it affecting gas, bloat, your energy, your sleep? Right. Like look bigger and beyond from that. So that first step of awareness is so important. And then there really are some basic things that you can do. And I find people are always looking for the hardest thing. And I'm like, you know what? You got to nail your water. You got to nail. I'm curious to hear the things that you say, but there's some pretty basic fundamental things that you can work on that have a major impact in your life. And instead, we're always trying to find that quick pill or that potion or lotion instead of doing the daily consistent work. Yeah. And it's often not difficult. It just means developing some new habits. Yes. Yes. And I just want to clarify quickly in case anybody's new to this kind of stuff. When we say digestion and metabolism, we're talking about the mechanical and chemical processes that occur when we eat and drink. It occurs when we break down food into nutrients for our body to absorb and to use as energy. So that's, that's what that whole process, that's what we're talking about. And the GI tract is basically the tube that um, we say is external to the body, even though it is actually inside of us, but it's external because it it has an opening and a closing or two openings, I guess. And uh, the whole process starts in the mouth and ends when we eliminate the leftover waste material. That's, you know, when we poop and pee. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's why digestion and metabolism can be enhanced by following a few key steps and Of course, the goal is that you'll feel better, you'll get more from your food, have a better understanding of the foods that are best for you, because of course, we're all unique with unique microbiomes, and there's no one size fits all. Everybody, in how we nourish our body, everybody's different. So the steps may seem basic, but they are powerful, and don't underestimate how much they can help. Mm -hmm. Is to chew your food. Yes. Critical to start in the process of digestion, because- it, it is it does seem basic, but it's important because the saliva secretes digens, digestive enzymes. That's tricky to say five times fast. Mm-hmm. We chew, the more saliva we produce. Enzymes such as amylase, which breaks down carbohydrates, so the breads and the pastas and the rice and the sweet potatoes, whatever it is, those enzymes um, are produced by the saliva. And it helps the whole digestive process because... You're already starting it in the mouth. It takes the pressure off the rest of the digestive system. Um, Your saliva secretes hormones. Now, this is important, such as ghrelin and leptin, and they're for regulating appetite. Mm -hmm. Also, we want to make sure that we're sending the food in the correct format into the body. So you're looking to liquefy your food. (laughs) Pardon me. So you want to try to chew 25, 30, 35 times depending on what it is you're eating and depending if it's raw or cooked, it might require a little more, a little less. 
but don't forget your smoothies. We're, everybody's drinking smoothies now, but really you want to eat your smoothie. That's, that's sort of the philosophy sort of in the back of your head you should have. So you want to top them off maybe with something like nuts or berries, anything that's a visual or physical reminder to chew so that you can start producing saliva. Yes, very good. You know what? One of the things I'm doing is I, you know, in my Vibrant Living membership group, we talk about slowing down and chewing. And I say, your stomach does not have teeth. You need to chew your food. Absolutely. The average meal time for a lot of people is like five to seven minutes, myself included at times. And I love a smoothie every day and I can knock that sucker back in about 30 seconds because it tastes so good. And I've really had to slow myself down. There's a a lot of mental psychology behind the speed of eating because we're all going, why are we eating so quickly? Do we not value the time to eat? Like, where does this stem from that we feel like we have to eat a meal in in record speed? So that exactly that is challenging. I tell you, everybody, you sit, you chew your food, you put your fork down. Like I've noticed I shove food in my mouth before I've even swallowed my mouthful. Like it's very interesting to sit in this stage of awareness and develop your eating habits and think, do I eat faster when I'm with my kids, with my husband, by myself, when I'm doing something, when when am I when do I slow down? How am I chewing my food? And really getting curious about this step. So I, I love that one. And well, it you just brought up number two, actually, which is exactly that. Slow down. Mm-hmm. Are you taking enough time to eat your meal or are you wolfing it down so you can get on to the next task on your list, right? And so the idea is to take at least 20 minutes Mm -hmm. minimum to eat a meal. Longer is better. And this allows for those signals that we were talking about earlier between the gut and the brain. It allows for those signals to be correctly sent to the body and take the pressure off the stomach. And it actually also helps with overeating. Yeah, so I have a a, a interjection here because as you know, I'm an emotional eater. I wrote a book called Cookie Dough in the Dark. And, you know, I know when I'm anxious, I eat faster. So that's one awareness piece that I've made, right? And so we're trying to shove this food into ourselves to reduce this anxiety. And so slowing down is definitely a practice. Then the other thing, oh, that you made me think of here was, um, oh, I do not have strong, full and hunger signals. So you talk about leptin and ghrelin. I don't feel full a lot of the time. Right. And I have learned over the years to actually feel hunger because there's mental, emotional hunger and then there's physical hunger. And I think many of us eat for mental, emotional and even time and social hunger as opposed to physical hunger. Right. Right. So because if it's just sitting there, if we go somewhere and they've got a plate of food or cookies or whatever it is, and you're not even hungry, but you reach for it. Yeah. So like this, I'm telling you, this is this is a, a, a point on its own that can take months to master. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And a good way, I mean, there's many ways, of course, but, and I, and I often wonder if this is why people did prayers before meals, because it allowed mm-hmm. this mindfulness, right? So to do some deep breathing, taking a moment and pausing and um, just inhale your food because that simple process of inhaling your food actually stimulates saliva. So by stimulating the saliva, then we're starting that whole process of the enzymes and the ghrelin and the leptin 
and that whole process starts to to kick into action. So okay. that's and and by yeah. inhale your food, she means breathing your food, not like inhaling your food. Oh, like yes, fast. sorry. <laughs> no, I do, I do. <laughs> I mean literally in in literally smelling smell. Yeah. To, to activate that whole process. Mm-hmm. Number three is probably one of the most important ones. I mean, they're all important, but number three for me anyways, I feel is, is extremely important is don't eat when stressed. This mm. is a, we tend to normalize stress and not even recognize it for what it is. And so stress activates your fight and flight response, which shuts down the digestive process. And I mean, this was obviously super important back in the day because we needed to shut down the, the digestion and divert all the energy that we had to deal with whatever the set stressful situation was. Maybe it was like, you know, running from a saber tooth tiger, whatever it was. But when this happens, it actually shuts down digestion. So the food you have that you're eating or that it might already have eat just recently eaten does not get metabolized properly. It sits there and it can ferment. It can, you know, fester essentially. And um, your body does not know the difference between ancestral stress and stress in 2023. Mm -hmm. Style stressors can affect digestion in the same way too. So we end up with an excess of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and that depletes your body of vitamin C and all the B vitamins, and it affects the adrenals. And this spike in cortisol could be from things like overeating, it could be from skipping meals. It could be from drinking coffee on an empty stomach. It could be working out excessively, rushing from one activity to another, worrying about something, staying up really, really late, eating tons of sugary food. I mean, there's all these normal things that we do that can actually spike cortisol. So you want to try to create a calm environment when you're eating. Again, take a few moments to center yourself before you eat and then find ways throughout the day to relax because it's really important. It will affect your digestion and ultimately your gut health. Yeah, that self-care component, right? Like you yeah. are worth it. Self-love, self-compassion, giving yourself- We tend to, as women, we tend to to think that, you know, it's we come last and uh, we prioritize everybody and everything before ourselves. But in fact, we really need to, to shift that way of thinking. Because we also, you know, especially in our 40s, which I'm learning, you know, is related to hormones a bit, but is this rush to get everything done, be busy body or sorry, a busy badge. Like we get very proud of getting yes. a busy badge and we're actually negatively affecting our hormones by doing this, which Absolutely. I totally did because uh, me you're, too. You're, Absolutely. On this, you're on this high. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can, I can still do that. And then That's you right. it's the I can still part. Yeah. You go to bed at night and you go to shut your eyes and you're just wired. You can't even yeah. sleep. And, yeah, um, and that's an adrenal issue for sure. Mm -hmm. It's one of the stages of adrenal fatigue that lead to adrenal fatigue for sure. Mm -hmm. So number four, you touched briefly about this with hydration, but this is sort of a different spin on it. Number four is don't drink with meals. Mm -hmm. We want to have better digestion. We don't drink with our meals. Excess liquid in the stomach creates issues with volume. It can cause bloating, gas. It can interfere with stomach acid by diluting it, which affects our ability to properly break it down. And therefore, um, we end up with other issues with digestion, especially proteins. Like we don't want to eat for a big steak or something. We don't want to eat a huge glass of water. 
Um, you can sip small amounts if needed, especially with dry foods. But my general rule of thumb is to drink away from meals. You still want to hydrate, but you want to make it, you know, a minimum 30 minutes before and after. I usually try to do a little bit more than that, like 45 to an hour. But, uh, and I also recommend typically to drink room temperature instead of icy cold. That okay. can be you know, can I ask a question on this? I've always been curious yeah. about this. Where do smoothies and soups come in? Because I'm like, um, one of the things I started to do probably 15 years ago is I got into smoothies and I make green smoothies because I, one of my things was to increase my vegetable intake. And right. so I, I will have a green smoothie with maybe, um, I don't know, a, a BLT. And how does that, because to me, it's a chewed up salad that I've chewed really well. Right. Yeah. It's a, bl it's blended food. Um, it, it, there is a volume. I mean, there's a, I mean, it depends how big it is, I suppose as well. I generally have my smoothies away from foods, but that's just because I find them really filling. Mm -hmm. So I generally eat necessarily now, I mean, soup at dinner time, again, same sort of deal. Um, I, I don't have huge bowls, but I, unless the meal is the soup, I think there's a little bit more, you just have to be more aware of your own body and how it handles that volume of liquid okay. and whether you can digest it properly and you have enough sort of, you know, digestive fire, so to speak, to kind of break it all down. I mean, it is already broken down. You've done half the job for your body, mm -hmm. up, right? So, I mean, there is that benefit of whizzing up food that it makes it a lot easier to digest. So it, it's probably not as much of an issue as just drinking, you know, a huge glass of water, which all that's going to do is take up room. Yeah. And, so, so, you know what, this goes back to everybody's individual and yeah. it would also go back to the fact that, you know, if you're not used to eating fiber and then you eat a massive green smoothie, uh, your stomach's going to be like a beach ball. So it's not going to be happy. It's not going to be happy. So, you know, as, as everything I teach people in life is simple shifts, right? Go slow, go, go slow slowly, and, and, yes. just, and, and journal it. See how you feel. If you have a big smoothie, see how you feel. Do you have enough, you know, like I said, do you have enough uh, stomach acid to process that? Or is that too much volume for you? Do you right. need to have a smoothie, right? Okay. So just around with that and, and see how that goes. Um, my next step, step number five, is try probiotics and digestive enzymes. So if you're struggling, really struggling with digestion, and you're getting a lot of cramping, a lot of loose stools, maybe constipation even, then you might want to consider trying digestive enzymes, which can help really aid digestion and save some stress on your body, on your pancreas, on, on everything. Um, probiotics can also help with the intestinal stages of digestion, but you want to go slowly with these. You want to start with a lower CFU, like 10 billion, and then build up to tolerance. I happen to really like Cultured Coconut. It's a Canadian company, and um, I really like it because it's a food. It's not a capsule. And uh, it's a great probiotic. I I just I started using that one, and I really my body seems to like it, so I'm, I'm sticking with it. But um, a CFU stands for, just in case anybody doesn't know, colony forming units. And that's just a unit of measurement, you know, to determine the number of bacterial cells in a probiotic supplement. And basically, it's just the number of alive and active microorganisms in one serving. 
That's what the CFUs are. So a lot of people think that a high CFU count, so like 50 billion or whatever, are sometimes seen as a quality indicator, but there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. Diversity and combination of bacterial strains is actually something you need to look at. Is there just one bacterial strain? Is there 12? That sort of thing. So you want to look at those those kinds of things. And um, yeah, so with probiotics, you want to go slow. It's mm -hmm. not you want to just jump into. You want to take it slow and and like I said, you know, start with 10 and work your way up. See to tolerance to see how you're some people do great with 10 and they don't need to do more. Other people need more diversity and they need, you know, higher numbers, maybe two a day, maybe two tens a day or something. But you so can just play with that as well. I have a supplement link because the supplement industry is unregulated. Uh, yes. A lot of people spend a lot of money on very ineffective supplements. Absolutely. So I will take your recommendations of your brands that you like and add them into that document. And I will put that link for everybody to have. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Culture, it's a, it's a nice little product. You start off slow with that as well though, because I mean, it, it's, it might, I think it says a tablespoon a day. You don't want to start with a tablespoon a day. You want to start with a teaspoon. I'm even okay. half, depending on the person. So I'll share my story because I like healing spirits, a uh, raw coconut kefir. Yeah. Uh, and I don't read instructions. That's just me. And so I had like a quarter cup, half cup with some berries. And it honestly didn't really affect me, but I was reading the label one day. And I mean, this stuff's like $30 for a mason jar, right? Yes. And I'm reading the label and it's like, start with a tablespoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm all right. But I just laughed because I'm that kind of person where I'll do something and then I'll read. Uh, I have just, I'm going to interject here for a second. I don't know. I had constipation or something a while ago. This is probably like 10 years ago. And I bought that smooth, smooth move tea, I think it's called. And so anyway, I was like, I had a cup. I'm like, <laughs> nothing's happening this stuff doesn't really work and so, so I'm patient too <laughs> I'm impatient yes well aren't we all we want that instant gratification so I had another cup and I was like ah you know nothing's happening still so I had one more cup and then I I I can't remember what happened that night but the next day I was teaching uh, an aerobics class in my move your body studio a fitness class and I said to the ladies I may have to leave during this class because I had, because I think you're supposed to have one cup every 24 hours. And I had three cups within like an hour and a half. And oh my goodness, the next two days were, I, I cleaned myself out. <laughs> and I've never touched it again. <laughs> yeah, that it can be also really painful too. Oh yeah. I, you know what? I just remember making an announcement to my robust class. Cause I did have to go. Like it was, you do not pretend like if you think, uh, excuse my language here, but a fart is coming, you just go to the bathroom. So I was oh, just yeah. like, okay, yeah, we're not taking any chances here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. So step number six, get back on track here. Step number six is and again, because we're talking about everybody being individual, we need to experiment a little bit. So step number six is try food combining or food sequencing. So 
we want to make sure that we keep an open mind and we try things when we're doing gut work. So food combining is basically the theory as to which foods go together and which should be eaten separately, meaning uh, not eaten in the same meal. So for example, not eating proteins and carbs or steak and potatoes together, and maybe eating your fruit alone a couple hours away from other meals. That's, that's food, com uh, food combining. Food sequencing refers to eating the food that's on the plate in a certain order. For example, uh, because fruits and veggies break down faster than proteins, you want to eat them first and see if that makes a difference for you. And then eat the carbs and then finish with the proteins. That's the idea. Again, we need to experiment a little because we all react totally differently. And what works for one person may not work for someone else. Mm -hmm. Why I hesitate when people come out with these um, you know, these statements that you, know, you should only eat a certain way, you should only eat keto, or you should only eat paleo, or you should only eat vegan. It's not true, because everybody's different. And you really have to respect how your own body reacts to those things. I've tried a lot of different things, because partly because I wanted to experiment as a nutritionist, so I would understand what my clients were going through. So I did do veganism for a year. And I have done vegetarianism and I have done keto and I like, I've just done a lot of different things to test them out. And you know, what will work for me won't work for you. So mm -hmm. you have to approach this with an open mind and, um, and not push your beliefs on other people. They have to determine what works best for them and only they will know what works best for them. Yeah. And you know what? I did the same thing because mine was curiosity because I'm not a diet yeah. person, but I did raw food yeah. for a while. I felt yeah. incredible until it got to be about November. And then I was like, I need something hot. Uh, yeah. I did vegan. I did vegetarian. I did keto. I I didn't, I have not done carnivore only because I just, uh, this doesn't appeal to me to hundred percent. Carnivore does not appeal to me. No. So <laughs> I, I have formed my own diet from experimenting with those diets. And again, those diets weren't done to lose weight. They were done no. with the curiosity of how it affected my body. And exactly. also you can start out feeling really great on a particular way of eating and then it can change. So you can have- You need to know, you need to give yourself permission to pivot. Yes, you do. That You can change, it's okay. You're not feeling yeah. at anything. You need to know that your body has taken what it can from that. And now you need to pivot. Yeah. And but you know, the, you the, want the, big, the diversity. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing that I find though, is like when I was, uh, when I was experimenting with vegan, I went to the vegan festival in Toronto. There was not one vegetable or piece of fruit. It was highly processed. Oh, and it, very, very, very processed. So. And it really turned me off. Because I'm like, we need whole food nutrition. We need whole right. food, not soy dogs, not uh, fake cheese. And again, not any disrespect to any vegans and what you choose to eat. But I just come from the basis of whole food nutrition. And I was really saddened by it. And well, it should apply to everybody. Any kind of way, any, any form that you eat, eat something that your body will recognize. Yeah. And knows how to break down and yeah. not fat, right? Like the things that it doesn't recognize get stored as fat because it yes. doesn't know with it. Yeah. And so what I, we're saying here is your body recognizes whole food nutrition. It does not recognize ultra processed food. It does not recognize processed food. So if you can eat as close to nature as possible, 
And if you haven't been eating that way, then you would start to introduce it slowly into yes. your gut so that you can minimize any drastic reactions. Absolutely. So my final step, I've broken into two parts, like a 7A and 7B. <laughs> They're somewhat related. Um, the 7A would be eat small meals more often. And this is sometimes important for people that are trying to keep their body fueled throughout the day. They're struggling with maybe blood sugar imbalances, you know, the roller coaster spike and crashes. Um, it's easier for them sometimes to digest those smaller meals and to not get hungry or have huge energy dips between meals. Um, but you want to be careful that you're not grazing all day. So the idea is to um, try eating every two and a half to three hours and making sure that when you eat in between the bigger meals, those snacks are not junk food snacks, that you're eating nuts, you're eating fruit, you're eating something that has a nutritional profile that your body again understands. And, um, and then to stop eating after seven. So it's just to give yourself that proper break for rest and digest. That's what your body needs. It needs the whole rest and digest. When we eat too close to bedtime, we have problems sleeping, we have problems digesting, digesting. And then of course we have problems in the morning going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. It just, it affects everything. You know what? This is one thing that I've talked about with intermittent fasting. You know, everybody's like, oh, I didn't eat till two o'clock or whatever. And you know what? They've done studies. Men and women are entirely different. I've been intermittent yes. fasting for years. But and when yeah. I started, I took the research because again, not for weight loss, but the health benefits of, like you said, of letting our body rest and digest and process the food properly. And yeah. what I have, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I'm like, no, I want you to eat breakfast. So you stop yeah. uh, like between seven and, you know, between five and nine, people can consume thousands of calories. Oh, absolutely. Right. So the idea is without I, even realizing it, doing yes. it robotically. Yeah. So you're better off again, you decide what works for you, but of having your meal earlier so that you can stop eating earlier. And then now you're getting into habitual, mental, emotional eating. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 7B is to try to not eat beyond 80% full. Mm -hmm. You should feel satisfied and comfortable when you finished eating a meal, but then stop because overeating is a stress on the body. And that's why number two, when we said slow down is so important. We want to give our bodies that chance to take note of how much has been consumed and then be able to relay that information back. Plus overeating can lead to, as I said earlier, a volume issue and meaning if there's too much at one time. We don't have the stomach acid. And most of which are, most of us, we think we're high in it, but we're actually low in stomach acid. Uh, heartburn does not come from having too much stomach acid. That's, um, misconception and um usually it's because it's too low and anyways yes. so we're causing gas and bloat and heartburn right when we do those things so i know this sounds like a lot of work and um but planning the meals around what you have time to do and being able to follow the steps eventually it becomes second nature it, but you want to master the steps of course and the best ways to to better uh, digest your food slowly and all the rest of it is to do the steps, but you want to do it slowly. So you will end up having the tools that you need to enjoy your meal, um, something practical that you can work on and it helps with mindset. You want, you want your meals to be something that you look forward to, that it's 
you know, something that you can enjoy and you're not fearful of. Gut health doesn't have to be complicated, but it, consistency is key. And that's what's really important is to make sure that you're consistent with what you're doing. So when I start clients, or even for myself, what I do is I pick one thing. Don't try to do all seven at once. Pick one. So for example, chewing. Um, it can be super tricky breaking that habit, but, um, you know, of inhaling food really quickly. But you want to find ways to help yourself slow down and to chew. And so maybe it's po putting post-it notes you know, by your plate or in your lunch bag, or maybe it's putting a reminder on your phone before meal times. Find something that works for you and just focus on that one thing for about a week or so until it becomes a little bit more common or easy for you to follow through with. Because we're not looking for per perfection and we're, we don't want you to be overwhelmed. Because those mm -hmm. two things, stress and this course, counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Then the other things that I recommend, and you've mentioned it, is fresh local whole foods. Those are things that will have fewer, fewer issues for your gut microbiome. You're not going to have the pesticides. You're not going to have the processed chemicals, the artificial sweeteners, the refined sugars, the, the colors, the chemicals, you know, all those additives, whatever it is. You're trying to get those things out of your diet, but more importantly, what I usually tell my clients is start by bringing more food into your diet. And that kind of surprises them, but it's like mm -hmm. want deprivation or restriction. We want variety. So bring in more, try new things, try all sorts. Oh, that looks interesting at the store. You know, my mom used to do that all the time. She would see someone picking something up and say, well, what do you use that for? I haven't done that before. And she would bring it home and we would try it. And it's just the more, the more diversity you have, the better off your gut health is going to be. And then while you're doing that, all of the other stuff starts to kind of leave the diet because it's being replaced. Yeah. So you don't actually have enough space in your diet for a lot of the anti-nutrients that we were just talking about, like the sugars and things like that. Yeah, I call and, that the the addition principle because for yeah. someone for someone who has eating uh, disorders like myself. When somebody tells me not to eat something, I'm like, oh yeah, watch this, right? Exactly. Where as opposed to how I started this 15, you know, 20 years ago was I started adding more vegetables to our plate and it would start to crowd out other things. And then I would start That's to right. struggle and I didn't have those feelings of depriving myself. And I know it's it a positive scary. mindset. Yeah, it's very positive. So that's, you know, a great tip. And so, yeah, um, that's, that's what I have is my, my basic seven that I find once you start with that, then at least you have your awareness. If you want, you can track while you're doing this. You can journal your, your emotions that come from certain foods. You can journal, you know, your re physical reactions that come to the foods. And you can always go to the next step after that. You can work with someone, you can, um, you know, just develop different habits. You can start working on lifestyle, relaxation tips, those sorts of things. You can go to the next step, but at least, you know, you've done the first seven basic things. And if you're still having problems, I mean, you know, maybe then you need to look into, um, you know, other protocols that are more time consuming and maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe they involve some supplements or maybe they involve a certain way of eating. Maybe you have to do an elimination diet, who knows? But at least you've done the first seven and that's really the beginning stages of all of this. 
Yeah. And you know what? I really, because, you know, people will say to me, and again, I don't, I, I really focus on health and I think what weight is a byproduct of health and weight, we all weigh something different, but when we, when we go after health and I'll say to people, you know what, like drink your water, chew your food, get a good night's sleep, manage your stress, get out in nature. And they're like, yeah, but what else? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. But those are the four pillars. I know. I know. I'm like, no, 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 no. Master those things. Master yeah. those things and your life will get better. Absolutely. Right. And, and 100%. in my book, you know, cookie dough in the dark, I was always like, what's the magic pill? And you've mentioned it. And I mentioned it to everybody. It's consistency. Yeah. Consistency is the magic pill. So you uh, like challenge yourself to chew your food for a week and just notice you might notice the first two bites and then you become completely unconscious for the rest of the meal. And That's so you exactly try, right. Right. And that, and so, that is exactly what will happen. It is what's yeah. And so the next meal. Don't beat yourself up for that. The Don't next beat meal, yourself up for that. Yeah. The next meal, you you may be conscious for five bites and then you're not conscious. And so this, this is, I relate this to, I always try and take things off of food, but you know, when you're sometimes driving in your car, your favorite song comes on the radio, you sing two bars. And then, then you're like, where'd that song go? Like I was really listening to that song. And then your mind went maybe to the moment of the song, but you don't hear the song anymore. I relate that to trying these behaviors and really practicing conscious awareness. Yes. So, and the good thing about these seven steps is they're not expensive. Mm -mm. You don't have to buy anything to do them. You can start immediately. Yeah. Like a second, even if it's four in the afternoon, like your body doesn't know that it's not Monday mm -hmm. on a Thursday, mm -hmm. right? Why do we need to, why do we think we need to wait until a specific start time? Start today, start right this minute, start with this next meal, right? You don't have to wait. You can something you can just jump into. But that's the whole diet mentality. It's like, I'm going to yes. start on Monday. So I'm going to drink all of this. I'm going to eat all of this. And then Monday is a clean slate. Well, let me tell you, ladies, it doesn't happen. And like we talk about, you're then you become food focused on deprivation, all or nothing restriction. You may last 30 to 60 days. You may drop some weight, but that weight comes back on and more. And more importantly, which I keep reinforcing is that you've messed up your metabolism. You've messed up your hormones you are messing up things that you don't see. And I think when we can start to value our health more than a number on the scale, we can really start to uh, like just step into our own power. And right. I, I, on some level, and I'm going to, I, I've been thinking about this for years, but I just, on some level, we're playing so small, just focusing on, oh, I'm on a diet. Like, what is your, you know, this is one thing we've been talking about this year is what is your vision of menopause? What do you, you want to thrive? Like, let's dream big, right? Like, exactly. Right. Do you want to be exactly. on, on the floor playing with your grandkids and crawling around? Do you want to be hiking a mountain or do you want the fact that you didn't look after your health and you've let your gut go to ruin and you're very inflamed and you just can't even function you spend your 70s and 80s on a dozen different pills every day yeah so without much movement right and that's that that horrifies me that's sort of what drives me is like i refuse to to go down that path i am choosing something different and um 
And that's what motivates me. And it, you know, that, that leads to really understanding your why power, really oh, knowing oh. why you want to do something. What, what really triggers you to wanting to do this? It's not so that, you know, in the middle of January, you can't just say, well, I want to look good in my swimsuit because that's six months away. Mm-hmm. That's not you up in the morning and focused on the health that you, health practices that you want to do. That's not going to be enough of a driving force. It's cold outside. It's, it's snowing. It's dark in the morning. You need to have something that's much more integral to your soul. Mm-hmm. I want to look good in a bathing suit. Isn't going to cut it. Yeah. You, need, you should really dig deep and figure out what's driving that. And for me, it's at the bottom line is, is mobility. It's health. It's uh, feeling good. It's not being on medications, you know, so you got to really dig deep. What almost brings tears to you? That's mm-hmm. your Yeah. And you know what? We spend so a lot women, of time. Now's and- a good time to start doing it. Yeah. A lot of people poo poo this stuff. And I did for years because I'm like, oh, I don't need to know this, blah, blah, blah. But now, you know, I guess with age comes wisdom. And I really sit in this and I'm like, what's important to me? How do I want my life to unfold? What daily actions do I take today so that my tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow, I feel mental clarity. I feel stable with my moods. My joints don't hurt. You know, and so a lot of this, um, you know, starts with the gut health, with the liver health, with the organs that we don't see, with our nervous system. And so I thank you very much for coming on here today, because I think when when we start to educate and realize that um, there are simple shifts to make, there are simple steps to take, uh, that we can do this. And, you know, you have your clients and I have my clients and we, and I have a membership that you don't have to do this alone. Like no. there's a lot of support and you get support and accountability. So I know, just tell us where we can find you on, um, you know, where we can find you out in the big wide world. And I know you have like um, a couple programs that are coming up sure. Spend a couple of minutes yeah. on that. Well, I am, I am, uh, I'm going to have, and hopefully by the time this is, um, is launched, uh, broad, broad, uh, broadcasted, whatever, sure. loaded, whatever, whatever it is you do with podcasts. Um, I'm hoping to have my ebook ready for then. Anybody who's listening, if you're interested, I'm going to be taking the information from today and putting it into an ebook so you can have it kind of handy. Um, that you can get from me directly just at nutrihelpers.info at gmail.com. Just email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. I do have two fun things coming up this spring. I don't have specific dates yet. But they will be posted soon. Uh, one is Shake the Sugar Habit. That's a five-day challenge that I do for women who want to start reducing um, toxins and sugars and things like that from their daily diet. And then it's a free free challenge. And I'm going to probably be doing that in March sometime. And then in April, I'm going to be running my my cleanse. I do it twice a year, one in April, one in October, typically. And it's my midlife metabolism reboot. It's a seven-day fully guided cleanse. Um, it comes with everything that you could possibly need to sort of transition from the heavier winter foods into the more watery, lighter summer foods that we will hopefully soon be enjoying. It's January now, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking though but I'm not quite ready yet to eat them it's a little too cold well you know what this is when you really learn to eat in season and this is another thing where I think you value your body and you're like you know what it's a cold day I want warming soups and some stews and some heartier vegetables I do not gravitate towards eating 
a salad, right? Whereas yeah. say you go down on a hot vacation and you're like, bring on the salad, bring, where's the pineapple? You're like, I'm not eating a stew. So your body knows your body, your body knows. knows. Yeah. So start to tap into really listening to your, your gut instincts. And, you know, I do so much work with the head because, you know, the habitual mental, physical hunger it is yes. for many of us, what's driving us to eat. And we've completely detached ourselves from listening to what our body needs. What messages are they sending and what does hunger even feel like in us and that sort of thing. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And so today I actually just posted, I have a, on my Facebook page, um, it's NutriHelpers.com in case anybody's interested or NutriHelpers on Facebook, whatever it's called. Anyways, um, I posted a, a reel today on my elixir that I made because it was cold out. It was snowing and I made a chocolate mint elixir Yeah. And, and soothing and nourishing. And it was loaded with tons of nutrients, but it was like, it was perfect for today. And that, it just made me feel so happy. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> well, I didn't post the, uh, the the recipe because I don't really have one. I kind of maybe I should. I'll pop, maybe I'll put one together. I'll do that. But I just posted the picture. But it was just like, oh, this is so warm and it was frothy and it was just delicious. Um, and then the last place people can reach me is on my Facebook page, my group. I have a it's private, but it's free. Everybody can come in. It's it's um, busy broads reenergize and thrive. Nice so, with women, you know, forty plus who are trying to, you know, regain energy and reboot their metabolism and get rid of that inflammation you were talking about. And it's just a really nice community of women. And so that's another place people can go to as well if they want to find me. Lovely. Well, I thank, thank you, you so very much for much having me today. Oh, you're welcome. You know what? We could talk for probably another hour. So easy. Uh, <laughs> This easy is, this uh, easy peasy right this is yeah. great thank you very much for your time everybody thank you for listening today please please let us know how you like this podcast uh i know our voices cut in and out a little bit you know zoom is not always dependable but um you know what it's a great way for us to communicate and uh and uh i thank you for being here we'll see you in the next podcast mm -hmm.